Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Light beer shouldn't taste like water. That's right, it shouldn't taste like water. Then damn it, don't make light beer taste like water. Hey, welcome. I got my Dockage Cycles for the City shirt on. I'm headed to Colts Camp after this. And then you can catch me tonight, championship game of the Dayton Regional on ESPNNNNNN2. Hey, the NFL is heating up. Uh, 10.30 or so, I'm going to tell you about Chris Ballard, our GM here, and he decided to talk about guns, and of course our media just went, oh, we're not worthy, Chris. But Jimmy G, this is very odd, is it not? Remember last year when Deshaun Watson wasn't playing, he wasn't going to be the quarterback, so what was he? What was Deshaun Watson? Well, he was a player on the active 53-man roster that was never going to play and came to work every day. Why? Well, frankly, because he's got to do that to fulfill his contract. And then Deshaun Watson would leave, go home. It was the oddest thing in the world. Starter, everybody tells me top five quarterback. He's not a top five quarterback. He's one of those guys who got better when he was out and everybody fell in love with him. Hell, I watched him a lot here. He's a good quarterback, but I watched him screw up games as much as I watched him win games. But that's a story for another day. On to Jimmy G. Jimmy G is out. John Lynch, Shanahan, out. This team is now Trey Lance's team. This team is no longer Jimmy G's team. And you know what? I'm cool with that. I'm very cool with that. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. You moved up to take Trey Lance. But let me ask you a simple question, just real simple. Why? Jimmy G's 33-14 and 14 is an NFL starting quarterback. Jimmy G has thrown, I don't know, 67, two out of three passes he completes. Is that good enough? Not for Jimmy G. Jimmy G last year threw too many interceptions, 20 to 12. Best year, 27 to 13. That would have been in 2019. But let me give you this. Does that really matter? Is that all that important? Let me say why before you say yes. Remember the Colts, my Colts? got rid of Carson Wentz, 27-7, to seven. touchdowns and interceptions. If that's the only thing you're going to look at, then it doesn't make any sense to say that Jimmy G should be your starter even a little bit. He's not that great with it. 71-38, to 38, not 2-1. to one. you got to be at least 2-1. to one. But let me ask you a couple questions. Doesn't Jimmy G just win? Isn't there something about a guy that gets in the game – and just kind of, sort of, his team rally around him and he just wins. You've heard me on this program many, many times say if the safety for San Francisco Dart could have caught the freaking football, just catch the freaking football in the middle of the field, up 10, then Jimmy G goes to another Super Bowl. Up 10, less than 10 to go, ball in mitts, you're a safety, dropped it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you this much. You put Jimmy G in two Super Bowls, 
one in 19 and one last year? You tell me this whole thing changes. And let me ask you another question. And I'm not talking about, well, I hate Jimmy G. He dates porn stars. So what? Love is love, baby. That's all I ever see. Love is love until he dates porn stars or an older guy dates a younger girl. Love is love. What are we talking about? Anyway, let me ask a few questions about James G. Jimmy Garofalo. Garofalo. I don't know and I don't care. He's Jimmy G. Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield? I mean, Baker Mayfield had a starting job in his mitts. So did Jimmy G. Baker Mayfield's never led his team to the heights that Jimmy G has. Now, I would also argue that Baker Mayfield has never had the team of Jimmy G. But let me ask you this question. Do you think it's that big a stretch? How about Jimmy G against Sam Darnold? Let me ask you. Is everybody so in love with Sam freaking Darnold? Is everybody jumping up and down, standing on their head and crapping snowballs about Sam freaking Darnold? Let me ask you another question. If you are, then why does Sam Darnold, who has been handed not one but two NFL starting jobs, one when he was drafted with the Jets, one last year with the Panthers, why has he always been the guy that you got to get out of there? Remember, Sam Darnold had the excuse. Last year, he had it, baby. This is the best team. This is the best line. He's never had receivers or weapons like this. Blah, 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 blah. When Sam Darnold went over to the Panthers. Yeah, how'd that work out? It worked out so well for Sam Darnold that Sam Darnold has to compete for his job with Baker Mayfield, a guy really nobody wanted for a variety of reasons, one of which was the contract. But hey, look, truth of the matter is nobody was jumping up and down, standing on their heads and crapping snowballs to get Sam, or excuse me, Baker Mayfield on their team. So now, who's better? I'd take Jimmy G. Why? I don't know. I just think Jimmy G has a presence about him that's pretty cool. I like cool in my quarterback. I don't like punchable face in my quarterback, and both Darnold and Baker Mayfield have a very punchable face. And if you don't know what I mean by that, do yourself a favor, lock yourself in a room and study sports. Because a punchable face, if you don't know, then you don't know. All right, somebody, anybody, I don't care. I want a basket over there. Tell me where Drew Locke went to college. Drew Locke's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Drew Locke's up there in Seattle with the genius Pete Carroll. Hardest division maybe in the NFL. Maybe the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know. But let me ask you a question. That's not true. Let me ask you a question. Is Jimmy G better than Drew Locke? If you were the general manager, John Schneider, of the Seattle Seahawks, would you right now, right this moment, be trying to get Jimmy G to come into camp and be your quarterback? Or are you good with Drew Locke? I know which way I'm going. Now, that is very unfair to Drew Locke. Why is that unfair to Drew Locke? I've never met Drew Locke. I don't know Drew Locke. Maybe Drew Locke's Jimmy G light. Maybe Drew Locke is Jimmy G heavy. Maybe Drew Drew Locke is the next big thing to come down the pike here in NFL football. But I don't think so. I look at Jimmy G and I see cool, man. Would you rather have Jimmy G or Matt Ryan? Now, here in Indianapolis, you got to understand something, and we'll get to this in the second hour. But here in Indianapolis... The world hangs, the football world hangs on anything Chris Ballard, the general manager, does. The general manager can open up his speech, which I liked, 
talking about the victims of the Greenwood Park Mall shooting. I thought that was great. And then he morphed into what guys morph into. Legislators and people must do more. I'll get into this, but the media here in Indianapolis never even asked a follow-up question. Why? Because the media here in Indianapolis just simply genuflex to our leader. He is the anti-Ryan Grigson. Ryan Grigson won. This guy doesn't. Ryan Grigson was accountable as a general manager, made everybody accountable. This guy doesn't. Hey, this guy's more likable than Ryan Grigson, at least to the media. I like them both. But the truth of the matter is, we love us some Chris Ballard. Let me tell you, in Indianapolis, I conducted a poll yesterday. 1,100 voters to this point in this Twitter poll. I simply asked a question, who would you rather have a quarterback, Matt Ryan or Jimmy G? 77% of the people said Matt Ryan. 23% of the people said Jimmy G. And I'm cool with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, I am based in Indianapolis. But the truth of the matter is, you got a young Jimmy G, you got a young potential stud here, or an aging statue with no left tackle. I'm just saying, it's a legitimate conversation. Daniel Jones or Jimmy G? I'm not down on Daniel Jones. When I watch Daniel Jones play, I see what people see. But you know what I wonder about? I see Daniel Jones talk. I ain't following Daniel Jones. I'm not following Daniel Jones at all. Nothing about Daniel Jones says to me, hey, guys, let's get up and ride. He's big. He's strong. Went to Duke. Blah, 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 blah. Jimmy G, I'm following. Because you don't know who you might run into when you follow him. Seika might be making a comeback, porn star of the 80s. It might be you, John Holmes, and Seika hanging out having a brandy. Not following Daniel Jones into the Christian Science Reading Room. I know what the monitor's all about. I'm not doing that. How about Justin Fields? Justin Fields, man. Doggett, you don't understand. Chicago's never had a quarterback, and this is our guy. Yeah, bite me. That's what I got to say to all Chicago Bear fans. I'm one of you. I'm a Chicago Bear fan. Bob Avellini was supposed to be the next big thing. Gary Huff was supposed to be the next big thing. Vince Edward Evans was supposed to be the next big thing. Hell, Doug Flutie was supposed to be the next big thing. Mitch Trubisky was supposed to be the next big thing. Jay Cutler was supposed to be the next big thing. I'll give you a name. Mike Phipps was supposed to be the next big thing. And by the way, I want you to know, I'm rattling off all those names without any prompting from anywhere. I just know my Bears quarterback, and I'm not even talking about the greatest rushing quarterback of all time, the left-handed wonder, Bobby Douglas. But now it's Justin Fields, and we're supposed to go, oh, my God, man, he's a guy. You know, he's a guy. He's, he's the best. Hey, hey, he's dog is, hey, man, we're going to go to Portillo's have a sausage. Hey, what the hell? Mayor Lightfoot's an idiot. We all know that, but hey, what? what, what? Hey, duck, bullets. But anyway, you taking him over Justin Fields? I don't know. It all depends on what you're trying to do. See, I'm trying to win. I'm the wrong guy to talk NFL football. Because NFL football media guy tells you about great drafts before guys play it down. The greatest offseason ever is the Jets, man. 
Jets had a great offseason. Great draft. Okay. All right. I'm not so sure I wouldn't take Jimmy G over Cousins. Let me give you another one. G- uh, excuse me. Jimmy G over Fields. Jimmy G over Kirk Cousins. Hey, look, the general manager of the Vikings yesterday said, hey, fellas, <clears throat> I know we don't have Brady. I know we don't have Mahomes. We got Cousins. You like that? Remember that, what he said when he had one good game? Kirk Cousins is a lesser Andrew Luck. Now, this is blasphemy in these parts, but let me explain. Andrew Luck was the master of two quick interceptions. Team down 14. And now, man, oh, man, Andrew Luck's balling. Andrew Luck will go ahead and get himself about 400 yards when you're down, and it'll be a close game at the end. That's what Cousins does. It's like uh, Rory McIlroy in a major. Rory McIlroy, oh, he just missed the putt, but look how good he is. That's Kirk Cousins. That was Andrew Luck. Oh, man, and sometimes he'd make a comeback. But most times, when the Colts lost, Luck threw like five interceptions. Now he didn't throw five, but you know what I mean. Now, I'm not saying Jimmy G is perfect, but would you rather have him or Jared Goff? I'm under iron, as Joby Wright used to say. Is there anyone I missed? Right? Uh, Dylan asked me about Tannehill. Tannehill's won too much. Has Baker won too much? Darnold, Locke, Ryan? Jones, Fields, Cousins, no. Tannehill, I think, has won too much. Good question, though. Tannehill, to me, when you're the number one seed, I feel like he's kind of, sort of, maybe won a little bit too much to say, all right, you're out. I could be wrong about that. I'm not saying I'm 100% right, and certainly Titan fans know better than me. But it is an interesting debate. It is. It's an interesting debate about how many teams should be trying to get Jimmy Garoppolo in camp. Yeah, I like it. On our OutKick YouTube chat, would you rather have Garoppolo lock? Oh, Lamar Jackson? This is null and void. I am, I am, no, stop. Stop. Lamar Jackson? You know my, I have an unhealthy affinity for two things. One. A&W, zero sugar. Every night. I packed a cooler yesterday to go to Dayton. Yeah. Two, Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why. Ron just wanted to get a reaction out of you. It's unhealthy. You guys putting in Ryan Jackson. Uh, Now I'm pissed. Now the day is ruined. Lamar Jackson's the man. When he's MVP, I anticipate all in this little area of ours to genuflect towards me and say, Dan, open yourself an A&W Zero Sugar and celebrate the greatness that is Lamar Jackson. I don't even know Lamar Jackson. I just remember, I've told this story, his senior year, senior year, and everybody's saying he ain't that good. I'm like, are you insane? All right, I got a little bit out of line here. Let's go with our latest Biden video, shall we? And when you look at this video, Lamar Jackson, what's wrong with you, Ryan and Dylan? Put Lamar Jackson in there. You're putting greatness. You're putting greatness in with just civilians. All right. 
um, our president, look at his eyes. Just watch his eyes in this little piece. <laughs> I screwed my guys up in the back. I went to Jimmy G when I was supposed to open with the Biden video. I've only been on TV for like 10 years. I'm not smart enough to figure all this out. You guys got it? Oh, Biden, but watch the eyes. Direction and pro-democracy. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. Donald Trump lacked the courage to act. The brave women and men in blue all across this nation should never forget that. Well, I got to tell you, all of a sudden now, the party of AOC and whatever that lady's name in Minnesota that wanted to defund the police, now all of a sudden, the Democratic Party led by the great sniffing Joe Biden is the party of the police? Oh, why am I blinking? He never blinked in that. All right, I got to try it again. The party of Obama basically condemning cop shootings is, I can't do it. I got too much sand in my eyes. Is now the party of police? All right. Man, I like this. This is like the Indy Star. You can just say anything. You can, I don't know. You can just say anything. I mean anything. Hey, we're the party of the police now. I know, I know, I know. A few years ago, we wanted to fund the police. We wanted the police gone. We wanted neighborhood volunteers. Isn't it interesting? The mayor of New York, who was all about immigration, illegal immigration, is now bitching, whining, moaning, asking for federal assistance because guess what's happened? He's had a lot of illegal immigrants come into his city and it's caused a problem. This guy, Biden, now, guess what? Biden says, we're the party. We're the party of the police. We are the party of the police. If you're for insurrection, what they do is they sit in, this is true, this was told to me. They sit in a room, these strategic folks, they don't care about actual policy. They don't care about what's actual. They care about winning. So this is true. What they do is they got about 20 wonks that sit in a room and try to figure out how to spin stuff. And this insurrection thing, well, I think it was awful. Uh, and I think people should be arrested. But my man here, they're sitting going, hey, let's become the party of the police. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was edited. But it's still funny as hell. Hi, I'm Dan. I want to say Hello. I am the party of full hair. That's right. I'm sorry, I'm blinking. I'm trying not to blink. I am the party of a full head of hair. I am the party that you can trust with your hair. Morons. The chat's saying it's fake, but yeah, it's still funny. Yeah, it's, it's still funny. The chat can say it's fake all it wants, but it's still funny. I do. I think it's great. We are the party of the police. We are the party of the police. Don't you agree, lady congressman in Minnesota that married her brother? Anyway, God bless Joe Biden, man. 
It just gets dumber every day. They're trying, though. You got to admire them. They'll throw out any line of BS that they possibly can to get themselves elected again and 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 more and more and more. All right. Jim Harbaugh and his wife, hey, they're going to have some babies around this hizzy. Maybe. Jim Harbaugh said, hey, look, any of my players has a baby and they can't take care of, we'll do it. We'll take care of the baby. You know what? We will. You knew he was going to receive crazy ass comments from crazy people. I love what Sage Steele said. I love that Jim Harbaugh was brave enough to go on record with his stance on abortion despite the predictable social media criticism. Have the conversation. Respect the opinion of others, even if you disagree. Diversity of thought, right? Harbaugh said, we'll raise that baby. We got a big house. People criticized him. I got a friend in San Francisco criticized him. And I think Harbaugh is a little nuts, but I like a little nuts. See, to Harbaugh, it just makes sense. I care for my players. It's a recruiting pitch. And anybody that doesn't think it's a recruiting pitch is crazy. Of course it's a recruiting pitch. I love my players enough to raise their babies. Now, what I would do and what I did as a coach is say, look, here are ways to prevent having a baby. I would do that as well. But I got no problem. And Sage Steele is absolutely right. Sage Steele is 100% right. Why can't you just have the conversation? I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to open it up, and it's all going to be attacking. Deanne Marie, not arguing, but generally, what is the process to get all the children adopted? Will it be like jury duty? When it's your turn, you get called up for a baby? People are idiots. Deanne Marie, you're an idiot, but of course you're a lady with a dog, so we can't say nothing about you. You know, everybody's going to get attacked in this world. Everybody, no matter what, you're going to get attacked. I remember when my wife told me when I got into this job, watch for it. Sure enough, the lefties at the Indy Star are attacking and still attacking. So Jim Harbaugh does something that when you break it down is really a nice thing, a good thing, a compassionate thing. But because he doesn't follow the narrative of, well, I don't know. And then, of course, there's the old, uh, you know, little white guy who puts together, absolutely, Sage, I couldn't agree more, and puts a bunch of pictures of white guys up there because, you know, we're all evil. And if we agree with you, well, then it certainly couldn't be right, according to white guys. That's the funniest part. If a white guy disagrees with a white guy, They put up other white guys that, by the way, look like him as a reason why you shouldn't agree with a stance because all the white guys agree with it. The world is awesome. I love the world that we live in. Harbaugh's got a big house. He'll raise that baby. And this is why everybody should go to OutKick. Swear to God. You get great sports, great entertainment, and you get fantastic articles that allow you to think for yourself. That's why I love it. Anthony Ferris has a great article. Harbaugh doubles down, offers to raise the baby. I'm with Harbaugh. So yesterday, 
Julio Jones signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So yesterday, because, well, a number of reasons, one of which is white media is afraid to criticize any African-American, it was built like 23-year-old Julio Jones out of Alabama signing. Julio Jones was awful with Tampa Bay. So I'm going to ask you a question. Mike Evans I like, Chris Godwin I like. Is the lineup of Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, um, uh, and, <laughs> and Mike Evans, really, really good, unfair, as a friend of mine said on Twitter, a national media guy, gal, gal actually, or is it overrated? Tom Brady throwing to you makes you better. Let's just say that. Tom Brady throwing the football to you makes you a better player. Number one. Number two, though, are these guys good enough to win you big games? Are they still viable enough? Mike Evans, old by NFL standards, young by double D standards. Julio Jones couldn't play last year. Chris Godwin coming off an injury. It's going to be fascinating because I think anybody that gets to play with Tom Brady got a chance to be great. There was a guy that played wide receiver here with the Colts for like one year, half a year. His name was Blair White. Blair White was so good when Peyton Manning was putting balls right here. Now, I think Blair White, to his credit, I think he's a dentist right now. But once Peyton was gone, Blair White didn't have a chance. That's what great quarterbacks do. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the addition of Julio Jones is going to piss off every Tennessee Titan fan. Because Julio Jones isn't going to be the Julio Jones of his 20s. Stop it. But he is going to be really good. He is not going to be the Julio Jones of last year. And that's going to blank off all my boys. Whether it's Dylan or Ryan or my guys on OutKick360, they're going to be like, hey, Julio, where was that? What the hell was that? Where'd that come from? You didn't do none of that last year with the Titans. No, it is what it is. Uh, Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, I've told you this, says we, quote, can't ignore a 16-team playoff. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. One of those opinions is, well, you know, you're watering down the regular season if you go to 16, and that's a viable opinion. We've seen it happen in college basketball. We've seen college basketball, basically regular season, just get in the top five of your league, make some noise in the tournament, and you're doing good. Hell, my school, Indiana, think about this. My school, Indiana, finished ninth in the Big Ten, won a play-in game against, like, I don't know, whoever the hell it was, then went out to St. Mary's. Now, this is Indiana in the NCAA tournament. Played St. Mary's and lost by 30. And if the game were still going, it would have been 50. But St. Mary's, hold on. But Indiana media here will tell you Mike Woodson's building on great success of the previous year. See, it don't matter. It does not matter. The regular season doesn't matter. Indiana got in the tournament, and you know what happened? They won a play-in game in Dayton against the Mountain West team, and they had a great year with a first-team or second-team All-American. world is nuts. But anyway, Gene Smith, that's what happened in basketball. 
Gene Smith is saying you can't ignore a 16-team tournament. Well, I agree with him. And I told you this when Oklahoma and Texas went from the Big 12 where they had an easier path into the college football playoff to the SEC where it's a more difficult path. I told you this many times. A playoff more than four is imminent. It has to be. The whole thing in college football now is not to get to a, quote, New Year's Day Bowl. It's not to get to a bowl. It's not to get to the conference championship game. The new thing now, the most important thing now, is to get to the damn college football playoffs. And once you do, you get this monstrous monkey off of your back, Jim Harbaugh. So, of course, it stands to reason that there are going to be serious discussions to expand the playoffs. I'll bet you anything, anything you want to bet, those discussions have already happened. Anything. And I think Gene Smith is the smartest, most important guy in college athletics. And if Gene Smith is saying that, I got to tell you, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen sooner than later. His quote, 16 just seems to be out there. You can't ignore it. Yes, 100%. Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, says he's 100% for supportive, I want to get the quote right, of college football expansion. No question. Absolutely no question. As soon as Texas and Oklahoma left, this was going to happen. It's just a matter of pulling the strings. All right, last thing. Matt Corral. Matt Corral's quarterback. Matt Corral's quarterback in Mississippi. Matt Corral came out and said, you know, I took the easy way out going to Ole Miss. I took the easy way out because, well, frankly – Uh, I could have gone to a Florida, Alabama, and really had to compete and got better. He's dissing his own school, and he's an idiot for doing it. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not trusting Matt Corral because he's an idiot for doing or saying what he said. But it is something that I have said my entire life about Indiana and Purdue. The truth of the matter is, in the state of Indiana, If you get offered a scholarship to go play at Indiana and you go to Purdue, you're settling. Purdue's a nice program, have had more success than Indiana. And maybe this take is a little outdated, but not much. Indiana's this. It's all-encompassing. Purdue is this. Nobody cares. Uh, Everybody tells me the greatness of different guys that went to Purdue. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, particularly ones from Indiana. And I just think, yeah, they settled. Nobody really understands that. Like when I was in high school, I had a very good friend of mine tell me how I should go to Butler to play. It's like, why don't you go to Butler, man? You, you can play all the time there. And I go, yeah, what am I going to do? Am I just going to tell everybody that I could have gone to Indiana and played for Bob Knight? Is that what I do? Or do I go accept the challenge of playing at Indiana for Bob Knight? Now, looking back on it, It was a great decision. I love my time at Indiana. I don't respect Bob Knight since my time at Indiana, but I went and played against the best of the best. I went and competed on the highest possible level. 
Purdue fans get pissed off about it. Indiana fans don't understand it either. Yeah, that's fine. But somebody was an All-American at Purdue. That's like being the most handsome man at the Dockett's family reunion. Nobody really cares. It's a nice honor. It's All-American. Well, you know, we got to the Sweet 16 at Purdue. Well, the truth of the matter is, at Indiana, we used to take a dump and get to the Elite Eight. Hell, we got to the Elite Eight with me as a starter, beating Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins, Brad Doherty, and the game before that, Johnny Newman, a 12-year, 14-year pro. We wake up and get to the Sweet 16. Matt Castle understanding that is really good. Matt Castle dissing the program that got him where he's at shows that Matt Castle's an immature little child. Shows that Matt Castle cannot or whatever this guy's name is. What's this guy's name? Matt Corral. Uh, shows that he cannot be trusted to be the quarterback of your football team until, <clears throat> until he grows up. I took the easy way out because I felt I could play right away. I would have went to a place that would have made me compete. Really? What'd you do, Matt? I mean, were you, were you an All-American? Did you lead your team to the college football playoffs? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Matt Castle's an idiot for saying it. He is. A lot of us knew it even in high school, though. You don't go to Purdue and Indiana's offering you a scholarship. I'm sorry. You don't. You take a swing. You take a big swing. You always take a big swing. I left ESPN, take a big swing here. Left the Big Ten Network, take a bigger swing at ESPN. You always take a big swing. And, if, and it worked out for Matt Castle. It did. Knowing what I know now, trusting my instincts, my work ethic, I would have went to a place that would have made me compete. Matt, you're a jackass for saying that. You're not wrong, but you're a jackass for saying that because I guarantee you there's a lot of people, I mean a lot of people that helped Matt Castle uh, at Ole Miss become an NFL draft choice, and he just took a dump right on him. We'll be right back with What the Hell Wednesday. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There should be two divisions of dumb politician. One should be Biden division. Two should be non-Joe Biden division. America's dumbest politicians have been around forever. They say stupid things. They act in a stupid way. And away you go. So let's do this. Let's hear from America's dumbest politician as we start off another beautiful segment of What the Hell Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the Vice President of the United States, Camilla Harris. Uh, good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. 
That's how that idiot starts out her meetings. I'm Dan Dockich. My pronouns are, I don't even know what the hell pronouns are. I'm a man wearing a shirt. What an idiot. Like, I get, this is where, this is what frustrates me about politics. Some of you are so blind to your party that you actually think that these people aren't idiots and these people care about you. Can we play that again? This is so pandering to you, and you're falling for it. 81 million of you. Yeah, okay. 81 million people voted for these idiots, and some of you continue to still support it. Do we have it again? If not, just put in my ear that we can't. Uh, good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. I am a woman sitting at the table. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I saw a nameplate there. I'm telling you, the pandering these folks do, I'm starting to get a kick out of the American people. Like, I used to want to argue with people, right? I, I used to want to argue, like Rod here, no one's listening. Okay, Rod, that's cool. But you're defending that. Okay. And there's nothing you can say. There's legitimately nothing you can say to somebody that would defend that, that somebody that is so stupid that they don't understand that you're being pandered to. There's nothing you can say, and it's getting worse and worse. And, of course, when people defend it, I'm surprised old Rod here didn't, but normal, well, Trump! I don't care about Trump. That woman is an idiot. That woman is pandering. That woman is trying to get the, the, the dumbest of the dumb to rally. It is unbelievable. First, she's wearing a mask. Second, she's telling you her pronouns. Why? You think she did that when she was, you know what, with uh, the mayor over there in San Francisco? Hey, my pronoun, I'm a woman. Yeah, okay. Guys are unbelievable. If you even, I mean, if you buy into this group at all, I, I, there's a sucker born every day. And if you support that crap, you are a sucker and nothing but a sucker. Uh, all right, woman hit by a, a tire, Dylan. And this is simple. Woman got hit by a tire. Watch this video. What the hell are we doing here? She moves out of the way. Boom! How about that? That's bad luck. Tire goes flying, but watch her. Can we keep that watch? She doesn't even flinch. She just keeps walking. It's not like, holy hell, I got a duck. The tire, a tire on a street. When's the last time a tire went flying by you? On the street. Wouldn't you at least look and go, oh, man, what the hell happened here? Watch her. She deserved it. No, she didn't. 
But can you imagine? Like, you're literally walking down the street. A tire goes flying by you. You just look and keep walking. That's a freaking Camilla Harris supporter. I don't even know. But that is a Camilla Harris supporter. Just someone so oblivious. I'm telling you. People are nuts, man. People are completely insane. They are. They're insane. This is somewhere in a foreign country somewhere. Hell, I don't even know. But people are nuts. You vote for Camilla Harris and that clown, and now, oh, well, a tire went past, and I don't even look. I just keep walking. All right. What's wrong with you? A tire just went past you. Wouldn't you at least think to, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the older you get, the more you pay attention, people are freaking nuts. Hi, I'm Dan Dockich. I'm here. I'm in a gray shirt. My pronouns are me, it, they, the, and today I feel like a peach tree. And I'm sorry, but um, I am offended because there isn't a litter box in the men's room. You want to know why robots are dangerous? Do you? Huh? Do you? Huh? Robots are dangerous. You know, everybody wants robots. Yeah? What happens when you don't do what the robot wants you to do? Maybe, oh, I don't know, when you're playing chess and you're a little kid against a robot and you take too long, robot does what? He breaks your freaking finger. Watch this. There's a robot making a move. There's a kid. He puts his finger in there. And the robot clamps on the finger. You see the kid, he's got a robot clamping on his finger. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a robot clamping on your finger? I'm telling you, don't mess around too much with AI. You know what AI is? Shows you how smart I am. I could be in the Camilla Harris meeting. I'm Dan. I feel like a grape today. If you step on me, I make wine. I'm sorry, I'm wearing an adult diaper. It's too small. It feels good. Snug. Don't mess with AI. Don't mess with NI. No intelligence if you're Camilla Harris. But don't mess with AI. Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, you go too far. Hey, I don't know why that kid, I read the stories. They're saying the robot took too long or the kid took too long. Didn't look like he took too long to me. You know what it looked like? Looked like to me the kid was getting ready to whoop the robot and the robot broke his finger. That's what it looked like to me. We better be careful. My wife, the lovely, the uber-talented Lee Ross, says, believes, that there is going to be a zombie apocalypse. And I ain't mad at her for saying it or thinking Because the more I see things, that robot knew that that kid was going to beat him. So you know what he did? He broke his finger. Don't at me about it either, people. You saw what I saw. That kid didn't take too long. That kid did not take too long. You know what I mean? That kid absolutely didn't take too long. He was getting ready to beat the robot. And the robot broke his damn finger. 
So there you go. Yeah. That's it. I just got great news. I don't have to go to Colts camp today. That's good news. It's raining like hell here in India. I don't know about you. Don't mess around with artificial intelligence. Period. All right. This pisses me off. I'm not one of those guys that gets into the politics of like websites and things like that. I give and I promote GoFundMes for people. You know, regardless of what you read, I'm pretty good with people. Mate raised about $75,000 for Josh Spidell, who got in an injury, kid from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, if I was really going to fight back against the hit, hit pieces against me, I'd get out his mother's email, but I don't do personal stuff. I leave that to the star. I don't share personal correspondence. I'm big on GoFundMes. This really blanked me off. There's an idiot. Listen to this. There's a woman. Her name is Caitlin McClure. This idiot right here. Caitlin McClure decided that it would be a good idea to put a GoFundMe out on a fake story about a homeless man. She and her idiot boyfriend. I'm talking a lot of idiots today. Tomorrow's going to be all positive. We'll see how the ratings are. Mike, Mark D'Amico fabricated a story about a homeless veteran named Johnny Bobbitt. She, he gave McClure, or excuse me, giving McClure $20 when she ran out of gas. All right? So, in truth, the group had met near a casino, and they told their story. They publicized the story through local and national media, created a GoFundMe account that had more than 14,000 people invest in it, thinking the money was to help this homeless guy who doesn't exist, Bob it. They investigated Bob after they began investigating after Bobbitt sued the couple, saying they didn't give him the money. Guess what? Here's what, of course, they spent the money on. This genius, uh, McClure, who you see there, and her idiot Jersey Shore husband or boyfriend or lover or sex partner or sex idiot, whatever you want to do, this guy D'Amico, they bought a recreational vehicle, a BMW, trips gambling trips to Vegas and New Jersey. D'Amico, D'Amico, who is the ringleader, uh, pled guilty to federal charges, got 27 months in prison, and has got to pay back the money. Five months probation is what this idiot, this lady does. This blanks me off. I give to GoFundMes. I do. I give to GoFundMes a lot. I give to two things, GoFundMes and I give to help teachers' classrooms. My daughter's a teacher. Now, I understand there's a lot of questions about the whole GoFundMe website. I don't really get into those. I give blindly sometimes. I give the more things. I give to the church, Wheeler Mission, all this kind of stuff. But in terms, I give the GoFundMes. And idiots like this, entitled little pains in the prick, oh, excuse me, pains in the backside, like this, drive me crazy. They blank me off. They really do. I mean, look at her smug, self-involved, ridiculous, pampered backside and her Jersey Shore, squinchy or whatever the hell those people's names were, boyfriend. They stink. I hate them. I don't hate many people. Hate the media 
and hate people that scam homeless people, hate people that scam welfare patients, hate people that scam folks that are down and out on their luck. Hate them. Don't dislike them. Don't dislike them. Hate them. Media, hate them. Dishonest, awful, horrible, try to ruin lives if you disagree with them. Hate them. The worst among us. But I, and I would put the media with these people. Hate them. I get excited talking about them because they're such idiots. This is what it is. You get mad, glad, angry, or sad, but I'll continue to give to GoFundMes, but I don't know what to tell you. Ah, uh, the headline read, half his hand was on the floor. Honolulu, Hawaii, I don't like. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know why I don't like, but I don't like Honolulu, Hawaii. I've been to Honolulu. Too many people for me. People are everywhere. Like you can't swing a dead cat. Not that you would swing a dead cat without hitting a person. Listen to this. A 46-year-old employee of a 7-Eleven at a Honolulu, Hawaii, is facing attempted murder charges after he severed a man's hand with a sword in the parking lot just after midnight. Jason Walker allegedly attacked a victim identified as a 40-year-old man using a sword three to four feet in length. Not only did Walker reportedly sever the man's left hand, but he allegedly mutilated the left hand and wounded him in the stomach. Chopped the left hand in half. You know my theory. Always follow someone with a cape. I have another theory. Never walk up on someone with a sword. Listen to this. Michael Suessa, a visitor from Switzerland, was at the Wackakee store. The victim starting to shout and cry, and then I looked at him on the floor, and I saw that half his hand was on the floor. The guy ran to the side of the door, and he fell. The perpetrator fled the scene, ran into a nearby hotel. They got him. They claimed Walker had blood on his hands and shoes. And Sousa identified the assailant. Man. How about that? Security guard said that Walker and the victim had previously gotten into arguments and he was afraid tensions between the two might escalate. It did. What are you guys saying? Man, 7-Eleven, baby. All I'm trying to do is get a big gulp. When a man can't get a big gulp, 7-Eleven and swords. Sounds like a great song, great country song. Oh, Romans. Look, see this hand? I'm left-handed. It's my left hand. I got a lot of uses for this left hand. I rub my chin. I do other things with this left hand. Leads me through a golf ball. I switch hands in tennis. I write. I eat. I do a lot of things that I'm not going to tell you about with this left hand. I don't need my left hand cut off. Give me a damn Slurpee. Oh, a Slurpee machine's out. Whack! Man, where'd that sword come from? I had it in my pants. Why are you wearing pants and whack a key? There's a famous basketball player. Last name is Jones. Devontae Jones, I think was his name. Played when, uh, remember when Jerry Tarkanian and all his craziness was out at Fresno State? That's the only other time I heard of this guy, of, of anybody using a sword in a fight. I'm not mad at a sword. 
in a fight. I'm not mad at all at a sword in a fight. I just don't want to be. I'm looking up the story of this guy, Jones. I just remembered because he got in a fight, I believe, with one of his teammates. And this genius, he decided to take a sword off of his um, wall and start swinging it at a teammate. This is back in 98. A former Fresno State basketball player was convicted of threatening a man with a samurai sword. Avondre Jones, starting center, and recruit Kenny Brunner were arrested after an acquaintance said they threatened him with a gun, beat him with samurai swords, stole his camera and cash. <laughs> Jared Tarkanian said he was glad that Jones was acquitted of most charges. I'd like to see him go on and make something of his life. Mm. Okay. Telling you. Swords, the reason I put this out here, sword hits are few and far between. I had to go all the way back, at least in sports, to 1998 to find a good sword attack. I, look, I'm going to say it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you find someone late at night and they're wearing a cape, follow them. Follow them. Anytime. Anytime somebody in your life, whether it can be a friend, it can be a foe, it can be a neighbor, it can be your drunk uncle, anytime somebody is wielding a sword, how about we do this? Run! Sprint! Why are you running? He's got a sword. If somebody said, why are you running? If I asked somebody, why are you running? And they said, he's got a sword. You know what I'm doing? It's not quite he's got a bomb. It's not quite he's got a grenade. It's not quite he's got a machete even. But he's got a sword. Man, I don't know. Seems to me he's got a sword. He's got a sword. That's three words you don't ever want to hear. Don't do it, or you'll get your hand, your head, your arm. And then what happens if they stab you? The world is crazy. The world is absolutely crazy. Uh, Somebody on the YouTube chat asks, is that Lorena's husband? You know who Lorena Bobbitt is. Lorena Bobbitt made every guy straighten up. Hey, Dylan, Ryan, do you know who Lorena Bobbitt is? Don't remember her. Uh, I assume that was on air. He doesn't remember her. Look her up. Lorena Bobbitt, when she chopped off in the middle of the night a drunken John Bobbitt's pee-pee, and took it out in the car and threw it in the grassy field, straightened a lot of guys out on how they treated their wives, girlfriends, or both. You look up Lorena Bobbitt, baby. I think she did it with a sword, too. I'm not sure. In fact, right now, I'm putting my legs together, and I'm doing some protecting. You all know what I'm talking about, those of you that are old enough. 
Lorraine Brian and Bobby made national news. Yeah, you remember. If you've ever heard the story, I got two words for you. You remember. Lorraine Bobbitt, man. Lorraine Bobbitt, don't mess around. Yeah. Uh, Bill Martin on the YouTube chat says, Dan, you just made me cringe and cross my legs. I know. At the mere name, anybody says the name Lorena, it's like Cher. Guys my age, younger, a little bit older, we know. Oh, man. Lorena. A lot of you, Ryan Mueller, and the rest out here are saying, yeah. Uh, Salukum says scissors. I don't know. We'll look it up. We all get a little tingly down low with the name Lorena Bobbitt. It's really not funny. It's not. I mean, think about it. John Bobbitt became a porn star. He had to reattach, and I don't know. Maybe there was a little masto pump in there. I don't know. But I do know this. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Mueller thinks it was scissors. And every guy, of course, well, they better use shears on me. You know what I'm saying. How do you guys not know who Lorena Bobbitt is? Uh, Sean Black says, my dad taught me about Lorena Bobbitt. Told me to be careful when it came to women. Spice Rack said, scared me straight in high school. (laughs) Treat women well, man. Hell hath no fury is a real thing. Look up Lorena Bobbitt. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Well, he's the best guy out here to talk NFL with. He is Armando Salguero. He is a voter for the Hall of Fame. He is our senior NFL writer here on OutKick. He knows more than any. I'm getting right into it. Did it surprise you yesterday that the brass with the San Francisco 49ers said two things? One, Trey Lance is the quarterback. Two, Jimmy G will be in camp. Did either of those surprise you, Armando? Not necessarily surprised. It was a good thing that they did that. Obviously, they have by saying that the team belongs to Trey Lance. They have removed the shadow and possibility that Jimmy G might, you know, stick around long enough to be better than Trey Lance and, you know, take over for Trey Lance. It's Trey Lance's team. Trey Lance knows it. Jimmy G knows it. The team knows it. That's the right way to go for the San Francisco 49ers if they really do believe that Trey Lance is going to be a guy. And apparently they have that belief. As for Jimmy G, he was going to report. Uh, you have to. You ha- you're under contract, so you don't want to be fine. But he's not going to practice. 
there's nothing that he is going to do that will somehow uh, put him in a position that he might get injured and thereby not be tradable. And that's what the 49ers want to do, and that's what Jimmy G wants to do. They want to trade, and Jimmy G would love a trade somewhere where he can be the starter, obviously. I'm going to go down a list, and I'm just curious in your mind. I I didn't want to ask you before you came on about your thoughts about Jimmy G, but I'm just going to ask you. Would you, I'm going to give you a bunch of guys. Would you rather have Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield? Jimmy G. Me too. Would you rather have Jimmy G or, or uh, Sam Darnold? Yeah, uh, I think Baker is be- better than Sam, and I already took Jimmy G over Baker. So I guess by logic, Jimmy G. I took a logic class in college. That seems to fit, fit, you know, that seems to fit the whole thing. Jimmy G or Drew Locke? Yeah, no, Jimmy G, absolutely. Jimmy G or our guy here? In Indianapolis, we have our fifth quarterback that is going to be our savior, Matt Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how you feel about Matt Ryan. I'm a big Matt Ryan guy. I love Matt Ryan. I don't love that he's, you know, 73 years old, but I love Matt Ryan. And I think Matt Ryan is way better than Jimmy G and also much more durable. Fair enough. uh, Jimmy G or Daniel Jones of the Giants? Oh, Jimmy G. I'm not a, I'm not a, Believer in Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, anybody that gets tackled by the 11 yard line uh, just falls down in a wide open field. (laughs) He lost me right there. The guy's running free to the end zone and the 11 yard line tackles him. No, not having that. Let me. All right. I got a couple more. Jimmy G, Justin Fields. Obviously, we haven't seen the full measure of Justin Fields, Dan. So, on on you know potential alone, on athletic ability alone, you have to go. Anybody would go with Justin Fields. Now, is Justin Fields at some point going to help a team get to the Super Bowl? Is he at some point going to help a team get to the NFC Championship game uh, two years later? I don't know that, but I think that. I would take Justin Fields based on just sheer potential alone. You know, my thing with that, Armando, is I grew up a Bear fan, and I just went through the litany of Bears quarterbacks going to back to Bob Abilene, Gary Huff, Mike Phipps, Bobby Douglas, and then all the way up and through Mitchell Trubisky, Jake Cutler, and all. Everybody, I don't believe in, for whatever the reason, I, 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 I don't necessarily believe in curses, but I believe if you're the Bears quarterback, you never achieve, other than Jim McMahon, I guess. Everybody underachieves. That's why I put Fields in there. Great potential, but let's be honest, over the course of decades, right? Decades, no Bears quarterback has ever really become a guy. Well, you know, the Bears are, are a storied franchise and, and they're wonderful and they have a great tradition and everything. But in the modern era, and that is after the merger of the AFL, AFL and NFL, when they have had success, 
The quarterback has always been a featured player, not the star. Not the reason that the team wins, but rather part of the group that goes along with the success. Uh, and that makes them kind of, let me think, almost unique because typically NFL teams succeed because the quarterback is really good. The Bears are the exception in that the quarterback might be okay, but they succeed not in spite of and not because of, but, you know, kind of because he's there and doesn't hurt the thing. That's exactly right. I mean, McMahon had a great defense, one of the best defenses in the history of football, at least in my mind, the best defense. Obviously, Walter Payton, you know, running back, that kind of thing. I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. Would you rather have Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins? Yeah, that's close because, uh, you know, you know the Spider-Man meme where the Spider-Man is going, you, 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 you're me, I'm you, you're, we're each other. They're very similar. They're very careful with the football, both of them. Um, not the greatest arm, but a good enough arm. Smart guys, hard workers, but just under that uh, elite line. And in the NFL, you kind of need elite at quarterback. What about Jared Goff and Jimmy G? Yeah, I'm not a Jared Goff guy. Uh, sorry. I would take Jimmy G over Jared Goff. And by the way, Jared Goff and the last two guys you have mentioned, Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins, those teams are paying those two players as if they're elite. And I think we might be able to agree and your audience would agree. Neither one has proven to be elite. You know, the Los Angeles Rams had Jared Goff and had him for a long time. And Sean McVay had him for a long time. And they figured out that he's not going to help us win a Super Bowl. And so they went out and switched out at quarterback. And what did they do right after they did that? They won a Super Bowl. Could it have been that Jared Goff was holding back the Los Angeles Rams? That's what it looks like. And convince me otherwise. I'm not going to try to, but I will say this. They did add some other pretty good pieces with him, including Odell Beckham until he got hurt, you know, uh, during the run. Let me, let me go to something you mentioned. Um, you mentioned work. You mentioned, you know, hardworking. What was your reaction when you saw the contract of Kyler Murray, you know, the four hours and all that? But also, you've been in this forever. You know these things don't normally, the actual contracts don't normally get leaked like this one got leaked. You know what I mean? What did you think of the whole thing yesterday and today with Kyler Murray? So the, the fact that Kyler Murray has that clause in his contract reminds me of a prenuptial agreement in a marriage. So the Arizona Cardinals decided, hey, we're going to commit to Kyler Murray. He's our guy. We're marrying this guy. It, we're tied to the hip. Yeah, but we're tied to the hip as long as he stays off the Xbox stays off, you know, the video games and the movies, studies at least four hours a week. And by the way, that's not very much. 
and does these things that we want him to do so that we change him in this marriage to be whom we want. And if he doesn't change, we can get out and there will be no, no pain in doing so. Tell me that's not a prenup. That's exactly what a prenup is. And it's, it's like, if, if we don't work, I love you. You're the best. I'm committed. But if you don't do what I want, and if you, you know, cheat on me, I'm outie and it's not costing me anything. That's exactly what happened there. The fact that it got out, look, um, it, it wasn't the agent, obviously. Uh, I don't believe it was the team either that came from other sources. I'm not at liberty to tell you what the other sources were, was. There's a, there's a great line I think it was in Game of Thrones that you just did it right there. Once you say, but, everything said before the but doesn't matter. You know, you know, you're a great guy. I love everything about you, but you suck. You know what I mean? I mean, everything to your point. Do you, how do you monitor this? You've been around the NFL, like in college, you know, if you went to study table, you had to sign in at study table and there were proctors there, right? How do you monitor this in a real situation of an NFL team? I have no idea. I mean, what do they do? Do they put an ankle bracelet uh, on him? And, and, and you know, like if, if he's not in front of the tape machine four hours a day, the thing starts to go off and, and, and in in the, the team headquarters, I, that's really tough. I will say this. You can now expect every week, if the reporters in Arizona are doing their job, they're going to be asking, hello, did he do the four hours this week? Right. And did he do the four hours this week? And if there is a game or multiple games in which Kyler Murray struggles and doesn't seem to have a good grasp of the opponent. And that's what this is about also. It's not about Kyler Murray knowing the Cardinals offense. It's about Kyler Murray studying the opponent and being able to predict what's going to happen so that he can play faster. If he has a game like, uh, like he had in the playoffs last year, like he had a couple at the end of the year, like he's had at the end of years for the last couple of years, the question is going to be Kyler did you study all your four hours this week? And the question to the coaching staff is going to be, did Kyler fulfill his four hours this week? That's exactly right. I mean, you open yourself up to both the coaches and to the player to discuss this. Armando, you've been around this for a long time. Have you ever seen anything like this? So... Typically, these clauses involve weight. Things like this involve weight. And, uh, you know, you've got a guy known for being out of shape or uh, I think is fat okay to say? <laughs> I just, you know, you don't know anymore. But fat guys, you know, they get weight clauses. And you've got to meet the weight clause or you get fined or you get docked. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I have seen in the past. But study, 
I don't think I've ever seen study. Uh, and that's, that's a strange clause to put in there. And that's the reason that everybody's talking about it. All right, I'm going to end this part of the conversation. I'm going to move on to something else with this. A lot of people are saying, asking the question, who looks worse here, Kyler Murray or the team? I, personally, I think Kyler Murray looks worse because, like, do your freaking job, man. Uh, nobody is really wrapped in glory on this, right? But who does, in your opinion, look worse in this? Well, you know, that's, that's interesting because, like you said, both of them look bad. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, so you don't believe the guy has been studying enough, but you're paying him, you know, this enormous contract with $160 million in guaranteed money. Uh, why? Why are you doing this? And then, of course, you know, Kyler Murray, it shows that the team, the people that know him best, believe that he hasn't been a nose to the grindstone, uh, you know, exhaust all possible avenues of work to improve type of guy that he's kind of been, um, you know, hit and miss. And they're trying to force him monetarily to be uh, a hit guy. One of the things that I did think was interesting was, you know, you mentioned it a couple times. He has struggled down the stretch the last couple of years, get off to a great start. And, you know, the coach in me says, well, that, that's, that's adjustments. How do you make adjustments? You make adjustments by studying. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that to me, I knew there was something here when, you know, he is an at least above average quarterback. I mean, he's a guy – you know, that is up here. And you got to keep those guys, as you and I talked about. But I just knew there was something when the whole negotiations were weird uh, back in the spring, and that's it. i got to ask you a couple of other things. Um, what is – Tyreek Hill came out and talked about Tua. Tua is the most accurate quarterback. Tyreek Hill was sad. He got traded, so now he's talking. Okay, fine. What are expectations for Tua and the folks down in Miami? Be the guy. It, be, be the guy that you were drafted to be. He hasn't been that. You have to understand, Tua Tungavailoa was the number five overall pick in a draft that included Joe Burrow, went to the Super Bowl last year, and right after him at number six overall, Justin Herbert, who's a stud, by the way. Uh, I was at the Super by Bowl the way, last year. Yes. By, by the way. I was at the Super Bowl last year, and Justin Herbert was making the rounds uh, at Media Row, at Radio Row, and I saw him in person. The guy is a freaking power forward, Dan. Uh, I mean, he is the living statue of David, and, and the Dolphins picked the six-foot guy who's, you know, who's been off injured. Um, <laughs> it's like, Wow. Anyway, Tua has a team around him that if he was elite, they would be a Super Bowl uh, prospect type of team. They would be a contender for the Super Bowl. But because the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins is Tua Tungavailoa and not Josh Allen or not Russell Wilson or even not Matt Ryan, 
or not any of the, the better quarterbacks, not Derek Carr, not Patrick Mahomes, because it's Tua Tungavailoa, what we're saying is, well, the Dolphins, we don't know. Who knows? They're fine everywhere else, but the quarterback is an enormous, gigantic, humongous question mark, and that matters in the NFL. I agree. I, you know, and maybe he is as good, but Tyreek Hill saying he's the most accurate guy in the NFL when he's never played with him is insane. Who wins a quarterback battle out in Carolina between Darnold and Mayfield? I think Mayfield ultimately will. Sam Darnold had a very good offseason, by the way. But and that anyone in the Carolina organization that you ask will tell you that. And then you ask, yeah, but is that going to carry over to games in which there he's got guys at his feet and you know the protection is breaking down and he make he needs to make decisions quickly. And that's where Sam Darnold has failed in the past. And I still, you know, maturity helps you overcome some things. I'm not sure it helps you overcome heat of the moment bad decisions as much. And that's what Sam Darnold's problem has been. Baker Mayfield now is not exactly a stud. Uh, he's okay. Uh, there's a reason why the Cleveland Browns decided the guy that is going to be suspended was a, was an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield has been to the playoffs. He has won in the playoffs. He is a better game manager than Sam Darnold. You hearing anything on Deshaun Watson speaking of the guy that's going to be suspended? They've opened camp and he's there and I get it. Any suspension would not kick in until the regular season. And so he would be able to be at camp throughout, which is, you know, kind of uncomfortable. But they, everyone, I haven't spoken to anyone who doesn't expect some sort of suspension. The question is, how far is former federal judge Sue Robinson willing to go on this suspension and how will that balance with previous suspensions the NFL has done, such as Calvin, um, what was it? Is it Calvin Ridley, the Atlanta Falcons receiver who was suspended for the entire season for ostensibly betting $1,500 on NFL games. Betting NFL on NFL games is a major no-no, right? That was a year long suspension. The question now is, is har allegedly harassing 24 women, is that a major no-no in the NFL's eyes? If you had a guess, does he get a year? If, I, if my name was Sue Robinson and I had heard the testimony of the four or five women that she heard the testimony of, I, I would probably be inclined to give him a one year, take a year off, bro. Get yourself right. Something's not right with Deshaun Watson that that stuff happened. I mean, he's admitted to having sex with some of these uh, masseuse uh, professionals. 
So, I mean, you're Deshaun Watson. Why are you going to random massage parlors and random masseuses to, to get sex? Uh, you're Deshaun Watson, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't get that. Be better. Be better. Be better than that. What are we doing? You know what I mean? Hey, um, when you look across the board at the NFL, a lot of people like the Bills. A lot of people, you know, like a lot of different teams. You know, a lot of people like the Rams again. A lot of people think the Chiefs. Who do you like? When you look across as we start camp, nobody's really that banged up yet. Everything's fresh. Everybody's happy. We got great. We're great. We're awesome. We're good. Who do you like? Yeah, I get it. Give me the prediction, Armando, of the team you like who is next week going to be hit by an injury <laughs> plague. I, okay, yeah. That's okay, right. I'll, I'll play along. No problem. And then next week you can play the clip and say, Armando's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no problem, Dan. Working with you. Um, so, look, I like the Bills. They have a complete roster. There's not a lot of places that if Tredavious White is back, I I don't see a lot of places where they are lacking. I think that they went out and, you know, they, they got eliminated from the playoffs last year because 13 seconds uh, happened. In the final 13 seconds, they gave up, a, you know, the game, the game to the Kansas City Chiefs, a game in which – uh, Josh Allen had thrown four touchdown passes. And the week before, by the way, he had thrown five touchdown passes. And if he had gotten the ball back one more time, he would have thrown five touchdown passes again because there is no stopping that. He was dialed in last postseason. So I believe that he continues to be dialed in. I love that guy. And there's not much not to love. He's six foot five, he's 240 pounds, he runs like a deer. He throws it with a howitzer attached to his right, where his right arm should be. He's better with um, with his accuracy than he's ever been. And oh, by the way, he loves the game. He loves Buffalo, and he loves training camp. Which is like, what is this? The dude is like perfect. Find me a reason not to like him, and I can't. Last thing, every day. I come down to my basement, I turn on my TV, got a show going on, whatever, maybe it's NFL Network, maybe it's ESPN, usually one of the two, and I swear to God, Armando, every day they're talking about the Cowboys, whether it's uh, Dak Prescott's in shape, today it's Jerry Jones said they need to win a Super Bowl, what's Mike McCarthy's job status, are you A- all in on more cowboy, B, tired of the cowboy, I've had enough, I don't want to hear, or C, yeah, I don't really care. Well, you, you got to care about America's team, right? I mean, look at the flag here behind me, right? America. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and they're America's team, so I care. But I'm going to say something that's going to be uh, totally proven wrong, probably, in January, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are coming. And I wouldn't be surprised if they win the NFC East ahead of the Dallas Cowboys. I really like the Eagles. I like what they're doing. I like the team they've put together. 
and they do it while the Philadelphia media climate is aggressive. They don't do it in the chaos of the Cowboys uh, and the chaos that they live in. So I, I like the Eagles in the NFC East. It's kind of funny about, I don't know, four or five months ago, uh, college basketball coach and announcer Seth Greenberg was on my radio show. And he goes, man, Mike McCarthy hadn't coached a game in six weeks yet. Every day he gets fired around here. So I get what you're saying. You do They do move the needle, right? I mean, for people that don't understand, the Cowboys still move the needle, period. Well, and Jerry Jones loves it. I mean, yesterday at his press conference, he said, you know, I haven't talked to you all, meaning reporters, in uh, a few weeks. And I've got a lot on my mind, I want to say. So it's like, and he had like three pages of notes and he went off and read his three pages of notes <laughs> because he loves to let people know what he's thinking. He loves the camera. He loves the attention. And that filters all the way down through the organization. And oh, by the way, one of the things that Jerry Jones said was, Look, Mike McCarthy is my coach. He wouldn't be here if I don't think, if I didn't think he can take us to a Super Bowl. But, the but, I have choices. <laughs> choices. Uh, so, if he's got choices, that means he's got choices to make. Armando. As soon as he said the word but, everything he said before the word but did not make a single bit of difference. When that word but comes in, it's over. Done. What are you writing about? What are you writing about next? Well, uh, so this morning on OutKick, I wrote about uh, Mike Brabel. I love Mike Brabel, by the way. Uh, he's talking about how he doesn't care what kind of talent he's got. He doesn't coach talent. In other words, he doesn't go into a game saying, well, we're the less talented team, we should lose. Or we're the more talented team, we should win. He goes into a game thinking, we need to play Tennessee Titans football. We need to do it in a certain fashion. We need to outwork the other team. We need to be mistake-free. And then regardless of talent, we have a chance to win. And that's good. And you know why that's good, Dan? Because at quarterback, <laughs> uh, when you compare talent, he's got Ryan Tannehill. And he doesn't Ryan. have Joe Burrow. And he doesn't have Matt Ryan. And he doesn't have Josh Allen. And he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. And he doesn't have Derek Carr. And that's just in the AFC. Do you, last thing, uh, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to take this full circle, Jimmy G or Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, that's a, that's interesting. Ryan is way more durable than Jimmy G. Um, I don't know. In the playoffs, definitely Jimmy G. Ryan right. has, for whatever that's reason, what... he's, yeah, no, he's fine in the regular season. He can, he's a successful regular season quarterback in the postseason when teams are really good and it's one after another and they have time to prepare for you. Ryan's been a disaster. 
As you know, all of our guys here are located in Nashville. And as soon as I put my little list up, they're like, wait, I'd rather have Jimmy G over Ryan Tannehill. You know what I mean? So, hey, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. That was great stuff. Keep doing your thing, my friend. Uh-oh. Well, so did we lose them? Yes. No, I'm, I'm here. So the internet is wonky here, but I got the idea that you were talking about how the entire staff is in Nashville and they want the yeah. Titans to win. They'll win. Now they want Jimmy. They want Jimmy G instead of Tannehill. If they told me I forgot to put uh, Tannehill on that list. So there you go. They want a Tannehill up there. Yeah, I had eight years of, of Ryan Tannehill in Miami, and class guy, wonderful human being, solid, great athlete, but do I want him as my quarterback? But, 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 do I want him as my quarterback in the playoffs? No. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Love that guy, Armando, with us. All right, we come back. Uh, Got a couple of things. The Seahawks, you know, they did something pretty cool for a running back. Our general manager in Indianapolis led off his press conference. Basically, I loved it. One of the things, he talked about school shooting. Then he got into the whole everybody's got to do the right thing, and nobody in Indy followed up. We'll get into some more. And then I got a new segment. Woke a dope, and we got the perfect person for our first woke a dope. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah! Welcome. It is Don't At Me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You know, so many times in business, you think you're part of a family. And then all of a sudden, something doesn't go right. And then you realize, no, I'm part of a business. And you hear it all the time in the NFL. You know, guys get cut. The cut down day, the Turk, is a tough day for everybody. Not only for the player getting cut, but for the men that have to tell the player that they are being cut. But sometimes, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you get a good organization, a good company. You get a company that actually says and does what they mean. You know what I'm saying, Lee Ross? Yes. The Seattle Seahawks are one of those companies. Look at my wife changing out Chicago for New York. Thank you, lovely Lee Ross. Huh? Both liberal Liberal cities filled with crime, ridiculous mayors. Great cops. Nice cops. The Seattle Seahawks had a running back. His name is Chris Carson. 
Chris Carson's a good running back. Chris Carson's a really good running back. In fact, Chris Carson was described in a tweet by Ian Rappaport as a star running back. And I would think, and there's a tweet, I would think he's probably right. Like, there's nothing wrong with Chris Carson. Chris Carson's a good running back. So Chris Carson uh, is retiring from the NFL because of a neck injury. Chris Carson is only 27, 28 years old. He played five years and rushed for 3,500 yards. Last year, he had injuries. Last couple years, not as effective. He's only played 16 games in two years. 1,200 yards in 19, 1,100 yards in 18. He's a good player, really good. Well, Chris Carson, in his retirement, got done right. And I like this story. I like this story a lot. I like this story about the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners will officially release Chris Carson with a failed physical designation under the collective bargaining agreement. That allows Carson to receive several million in injury protection benefits. Seattle does right by him. See, I think that's very cool. You know, we've all been in places. We've all been uh, worked uh, for companies, whether it is a college, whether it's a media conglomerate, whether it's a major. Well, I worked for Disney at one point, whether it's Fox, where you're told in meetings, hey, we're a family. Remember, we're a family. This is a family enterprise. And you're like, oh, okay. You buy into that. You become friends with people. And then what happens? Something doesn't go right. And you find out, no, this isn't a family. This is a damn business. And then everybody moves on, and you're left to deal with the business. The NFL, as I just said, is so like that. Of course it's like that. Everybody's like that. I don't care what company you work for. Nine out of ten companies are like that. But we did see during the pandemic many companies have to lay people off, but did so while they tried to keep paying them. My friends at Nick's English Hut, a iconic restaurant slash college bar in Bloomington, did that. They worked like crazy, my buddy Rags, to pay his employees while they had to shut down a little bit during COVID. We raised $10,000, or we tried to. I don't think we quite got to $10,000 for those employees. Rags did right by his people. So did Seattle. And I think sometimes we hear a lot of complaining. You ever get on Twitter and somebody that has a lot of followers on Twitter has a problem on an airplane? What do they do? They immediately tag the airline in their tweet talking about their plight. Let me ask you a question. Those people that fly a lot, do they ever tag the airline and say, man, I had a great flight, man. I had great customer service. Of course not. We like bitching, whining, and moaning. We do. Somebody does right by somebody. A college kid doesn't get to transfer at his whim. Oh, man, get a hold of Billis. He'll straighten it out. Doesn't matter that there's a backstory. Doesn't matter that tens of thousands of others has been allowed to transfer, and this one has a different backstory. Doesn't matter. If things don't go our way, we complain. This tells me two things. One, the Seattle Seahawks are the kind of organization that you want to play for, that you want to work for. 
that you want to be a part of, whether or not you're a broadcaster, equipment man, player, coach, doesn't matter. Seems to me, at least with Chris Carson here, this tells me this is an organization of substance. The other thing it tells me, and I think this should be celebrated, is that Chris Carson is obviously important to the Seattle Seahawks. Why? My guess is it's far more than just being a good player. The kid's been hurt for the last couple years, so it's not like this is Walter Payton. Tells me that Chris Carson's a really good dude. Tells me that the coaching staff went to bat with him. Tells me that every interaction that they had with the front office went well. Tells me that he's been involved in his community. I don't know Chris Carson. I don't know nothing about Chris Carson. Hell, I didn't even know he was a running back. I didn't even know about this story until Dylan and Ryan showed it to me when we were doing our show prep last night. I got to tell you, I like this story. I think we should celebrate stories like this. I do. We need more stories like this. We need more organizations. We need more people going to bat for their employees. That's what we, we need in this world right now. We don't need less. We don't need smart Alex. We don't need whining ass media. We just simply need good people doing good things for the people that work for them. Period. Let me give you another one. There's a really good guy that is the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. His name is Chris Bell. He's a really good guy. Like, he and his wife have adopted kids. And when you talk to Chris, you know he's just a really good Texan guy, Texas guy. I rip him all the time. And I rip him for a variety of reasons. My wife gets mad at me for ripping in fact, the other day she read an article in the Athletic, Athletic, whatever the hell that thing is called, that talked about Chris and his wife adopting kids. She's like, Dan, you're an idiot. She goes, you're an idiot. The guy's a great guy. Why are you ripping on him? I go, well, because he hasn't won. You got to win in the NFL. But I really like Chris Ballard. So I text Chris Ballard a picture, this picture of my wife. Hold on a second. I sent him a text. I said, hey, Chris, my wife's killing me. Here's the exact. My wife just read your story in The Athletic about adopting four girls. She's yelling at me for being a jackass to a good dude. And he started laughing. He goes, you're good. You're just doing your job. I deserve most of it. So this is my, I don't want to put his, well, then I tweet him. But I wish I could get this picture of my wife because I took a picture of my wife going like this which is basically, what are you going to do? Dan's being a jackass. So we go back and forth about the greatness of our wives. And then yesterday, Chris Ballard gets up in front, and I don't know if we have the headline here on OutKick, but he gets up in front of his first media, and I like what he did. I do. There was a shooting here in the Greenwood Park Mall. You all met the, the man, the hero, Elijah Dickens who killed a gunman in the food court of the mall after the gunman had opened fire and killed three people. Eli Dickens, a hero. Now, in our world of Indianapolis, you got to understand, the Indianapolis star is deathly afraid of anything that doesn't push a liberal agenda. The Indianapolis star is deathly afraid of the African-American community. The Indianapolis star doesn't like me. That's three strikes. 
Don't be afraid of anybody. Love me. Anyway, so yesterday, uh, Chris Ballard got up, and you said, we can put that back up if you'd like. He got back up, and he started talking about the shooting. And he said, hey, look, uh, my thoughts and prayers go to the people in Greenwood. And he's right. Me too. Great way to start it. Embrace yourself in the community. And then he did something that everybody does. He called on legislators and people to use common sense and do what's right for people. And I'm cool with that, except nobody followed it up. Nobody ever follows it up. And in Indiana world, you got to understand, the media here literally, and I'm not being figurative here, literally sits at his knee. Dude's 41 and 41. Hadn't been in the playoffs, at least not last year. So anyway, long story short, Chris Ballard gets on this rant about guns. Look, I'm no gun guy, and there is a part of me that says, you know what, Chris Ballard? I'm all right. I'm good. I don't know why we have AKs in our society. I don't know. I don't know. But nobody asks a follow-up question. Nobody in the indie media has the stones to say, Chris, what do you think should happen? It's a really good article on it. Uh, Dan uh, Zekshevsky for OutKick uh, writes an article, and he says the very same thing that I'm saying. Look, you want to start your press conference not talking about failures of the past, fine. But where in the hell is any follow-up question? Uh, Where in the hell is anybody saying, hey, look, look, what do you specifically want people to do? Ballard didn't mention what it would mean for, quote, people and politicians to be held accountable. He didn't say that, face. He didn't say that at all. He gave no context at all. He just said it. Now, of course, he's called brave. You know, the only person brave in this whole thing is Eli Dickman. Eli Dickman is the only brave soul. And of course, there were no reporters in the room asking him to clarify his comments here in Indy because I'm being literal about this. We have an ESPN.com reporter named Stephen Holder. We have two athletic reporters, Bob Kravitz and Zach Kiefer. We have numerous Indy star reporters, including some guys that fancy themselves as, quote, insiders. Then we got a guy named George Bremer who's over here. Then we got a, a thousand little blogger boys that tell you, Dockage bad, we know football, come to our site. Great, I agree. But not one of you asked him to follow up. Not one of you said, hey, look, can you clarify your statements about what it would mean for people and politicians to be held accountable? Because I got to tell you, Elijah Dickin, the hero in this, held the shooter accountable. He held his ass accountable to the tune of eight bullets out of 10 from 40 yards going into the shooter and killing said shooter. 
Now, I don't know what Chris Ballard wants out of that. I don't know what he thinks the definition of held accountable is, but that's the definition. Now, I know what I did there. I know that I skewed Ballard's words. But let's be honest. If you're going to include people to hold shooter and gun crazy gun guy that's shooting up place accountable, you can't do it without mentioning Eli Dickett. Now, politicians, I always say this. Hey, look, if there is a law that specifically can help stop these events, pass it. Don't pass it with a bunch of nonsense in it because you know that you can pass this law stopping nonsense and get all this other crap through. First off, I'm not sure there is a law. I'm not sure there is a way to stop deranged people. We have a system in place that does not allow mental health, excuse me, is not very strong in our country dealing with mental health issues. I've seen it for myself. I had a former player. Again, I'm a bad guy. Writers are good guy. I don't know, but a former player came back to live with me. We took him in. My wife and I, we got him into rehab. Then we tried to get him mental health help, and it was not easy. In fact, it was damn near impossible. But I would like to hear what specific do, do all of these coaches know goes into bills that could stop this. And I, what I would like, you're asking me, I would like politicians to sit down with both sides of the gun uh, conversation, pro and anti, have a legitimate conversation, figure out anything, any kind of bill, whatever you want to ban, that is just that bill. That is just that. It deals with this, mass shootings, the problems of guns, if you think there's a problem with guns, and how to solve it. Not, yeah, well, we're also going to give $10 million to Zimbabwe because in my district there are a lot of people that moved here from Zimbabwe. No, stop that crap. That's why every time you see something by a politician that says, well, you know, only the Republicans didn't vote against this. Well, they don't tell you the whole bill. So I'm all for it. But Chris Ballard, I would love, if you're going to get up there and speak, I would love to know what your solution is. But no reporters in the room could ask. Not a single reporter thought it enough to say, hey, what do you mean? What are politicians supposed to do? What would you like to see passed? You don't want, uh, in his words, AKs. It's actually ARs, but that's fine. If you're going to mention the gun, then know the right gun. I don't know why we have to have automatic weapons in our society. It seems stupid to me. I've said that for years. I'm on neither side of the gun lobby. I'm afraid of guns. I bought a gun. I'm afraid of it. I'm training myself to use it. I'm training myself not to be afraid of it. This goes back to when I was a kid and my neighbor, their best friends, the little boy shot his brother because there was a gun that wasn't locked properly. So look, look, 
I'm all for Steve Kerr, Popovich, and everybody coming out, using their platform, and trying to bully lawmakers. But just tell me what you guys think should happen. And in, and in Chris Ballard's case, get the name of the gun right. We got a new segment. We got a new segment, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Woke-A-Dope. What we do is every day we're going to give you the latest woke jackass to make a jackass of themselves by trying to be woke or by trying to be hypocritical. In fact, going on right now is really funny. Who was just on my television just now on ESPN based on people writing bad stuff about me, but I digress. Oh, right there. We're back on now. Good. It's really funny. But anyway, um, Taylor Lorenz, the gift that keeps on giving. She's now saying, Taylor, Ms. Lorenz, that she is too popular. She cannot go outside and cover live events without being harassed by men. All right. Well, she said that, and then it came out, which it comes out with all hypocrites. Uh, it came out that she, in fact, was harassing the libs of TikTok. Taylor Lorenz is the worst among us, and that's saying a lot. Like, when you're the worst person in the media, you arguably might be the worst person nonviolent crime division in the world. But Taylor Lorenz has bullied people. Taylor Lorenz has gone after people. Taylor Lorenz has stalked people. And Taylor Lorenz, when somebody says a mean thing to her, cries like a little batch. That's exactly what the media does. I deal with it every day here in Indy. Every day. Hey, Media can write whatever they want, right? But God dang, don't come back at them. Look at Taylor Lorenz. Poor Taylor Lorenz. I feel so bad. So bad. I do. Poor Taylor Lorenz. She's picked on. Now, I don't know. Is she picked on before she goes stalking people? She's a technology columnist for the Washington Post. We had one of those here. Her name was Allie. And Allie would always come at people. And then as soon as you went back at Allie here at the Indy Star, Allie then cried. Allie got sad. That's Taylor Lorenz, the worst among us. Look, I always thought bullying was when you came at somebody and you had a higher platform or were older or whatever. I didn't know that bullying was, oh, I don't know. Somebody comes at you and you respond. It seems to me that bullying doesn't fit that description. See, in my world, I was always taught, hey, look, don't start it, but certainly come back at it. I come back at it and then they get mad. That's called manipulation. You getting mad at my reaction to your disrespect. That's what you saw to Taylor Lorenz. It is. She disrespects people. People come back 
and now she's crying. That's what you saw out of me in an article in Andy Starr. People have come at me. I say, wait a second. I don't even know you. So I go back at them. It's manipulation to say, hey, look, you now are the bully. Don't think that you can go around doing the things that Taylor Lorenz does, not have blowback, and then try to be a damn victim. That's what Taylor Lorenz does. She's the worst among us. And it won't stop because she works for the Washington Post. She's on the side of the media. She's poor little Taylor. See, I believe in treating everybody the same. If you're a jackass, I don't give a damn if you're white, black, male, female, doesn't matter. You're a jackass. And Taylor Lorenz is a jackass. So by me saying this, I assume that the Washington Post will write an article. They'll be mean to me. Don't be mean to me. And Taylor Lorenz will write something, probably show up at my door. And next thing you know, probably be crying by the things that we say to Taylor Lorenz. It's pretty amazing. It is. It's pretty amazing how awful she is. She is our woke dope of the day. The woke dope of the day needs a sponsor. I'm dying to say woke dope of the day brought to you by the Epic Times. I'm dying to say woke dope of the day is brought to you by the Daily Wire. We need a sponsor for the woke dope. And thank you, Ryan. And thank you, Dylan, for going exactly where our initial woke dope idiot needs to go. And that is, it's Taylor Lorenz. They be mean to me. Yes, I'm a jackass to everyone that I see. I bully. I show up at their door. But when they come back at me, they're mean. Shut the f*** up. You're massaging his dockets. Fine. What, hey, Dan, what do you say to people that got offended by the woke dope? Be offended. The greatest line ever. Salute. Ryan, great stuff. Dylan, great stuff. You guys are awesome back there. Uh, you can catch me. This is big media day today. Then I'm noon to three. Then I'm headed back to Dayton, Ohio to do an eight o'clock game, the Dayton final of the TBT. Can't wait. Thanks, everybody, for listening, watching, tweeting, chatting. You know who you are, and I say thank you. We'll be, we will talk to you tomorrow. Taylor Lorenz, they be mean to me. See ya. I got to go potty. <laughs>